Welcome to the Elevation Podcast Series, hosted by the Colorado PGA. My name is Patrick Salva, and I'm the Assistant Executive Director with Colorado PGA, and your host for this inaugural episode. This podcast has been years in the making. Through the leadership of our board of directors and through the work of our education committee, we've been working on this idea of creating a podcast to serve as a digital education tool for our members for quite some time. From Denver to Durango, from Grand Junction through Wyoming into South Dakota, and everywhere else in between, this is meant to be a tool for our Colorado PGA members. These podcasts will be hosted by your Colorado PGA staff and will engage with our education committee and other members to serve as co-hosts. We'll be joined by subject matter experts from across the country in and out of the golf industry to help elevate the learning and experiences of our members. These podcasts will range in time from 30 to 60 minutes and are meant to be simply engaging. You'll see new content every week for the time being, and we'll work to make sure these episodes are time well spent by our members. We've already recorded a number of these podcasts and the content has been amazing. This first issue comes at a very uncertain time for our members and for really everybody across the country. We're dealing with the impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic and with it, so many questions about not only our industry, but our way of life. We originally recorded this podcast with Chris McChesney, who was to be featured at our upcoming spring business meeting. Based on the changes in our upcoming schedule, that event has been moved to April 6, when it will be delivered digitally, and Chris's keynote presentation has been moved to our fall membership meeting in October. To put it simply, Chris is an incredible public speaker. In doing some research, Holly Champion, our co-host this week, and I found a quote that after talking with him, couldn't be better. Chris McChesney is one of the most dynamic, real, energetic, and thought-provoking persons we have ever met. Chris is a New York Times bestselling author for his work on the four disciplines of execution. And we were fortunate enough to listen to Chris and get to visit with him briefly during uh, the PGA merchandise show in Orlando this past January. We knew from that day that we needed to get Chris and get him to Colorado. To break it down, the concepts and the principles Chris identifies are easy to understand and they're easy to implement tomorrow. If you have the time right now to do a deep dive into his book, I encourage you to do it. Check out this episode and many more to follow. We hope you enjoy. Well, thank you uh, for joining us for this episode of the Elevation Podcast hosted by the Colorado PGA. I'm your host today, Patrick Salva. With me is Holly Champion, our Player Development Director. Holly, thank you for being our co-host today. Thanks for having me. And our guest speaker today, Chris McChesney. Chris is a best-selling co-author. He's a leadership consultant, executive advisor. He's a speaker. He's a uh, lot of things. And we were fortunate enough to visit with and hear from Chris at the PGA of America section business operations uh, meeting uh, in conjunction with the PGA Merchandise Show. And we're really blown away by Chris and his presentation on the four disciplines of execution. Just a little bit of background on, uh, on Chris. Chris is the global practice leader of execution for Franklin Covey. He is, again, a best-selling author, one of Amazon's 
top 10 best-selling business audios uh, comes from his book. So uh, really an expert, you know, a subject matter expert in this area. A couple things that, that Chris has been able to do through the four disciplines of execution. He's worked with George Governor Sonny Perdue. Uh, has worked with a number of companies to include Lockheed Martin. I know we've got a Lockheed Martin right here in our backyard uh, in Colorado and has worked with other companies like Coca-Cola, Comcast, Home Depot. Sounds like uh, a pretty strong list. Some of the results uh, that have come out from Chris's presentation, from Chris's work, one of the largest convention hotel chains in the U.S. saw a 50% increase in guest satisfaction within nine months. A statewide health and human services agency saw a 60% reduction in reoccurrence of child maltreatment. So this topic that Chris is going to be speaking on today really uh, transcends different industries and, and really is applicable to a number of different areas. Chris has been with Franklin Covey for more than 20 years. He began working with Stephen Covey in 1991 as his publicist. Since then, he's been a consultant, managing director. You get it. The list goes on and on. This guy is, uh, is special. We're honored to have him both on our podcast today and also presenting at our upcoming spring meeting. So Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really nice. And I am very excited to be with you in the spring. Colorado in the spring. That sounds, that sounds pretty great. It will be. It'll be good. I, I know you uh, are an avid water skier. If you were to, uh, to be a snow skier, that's the time of the year to visit here. I do, you know? a, little, I do a little snow skiing and have, and have uh, frequented Colorado on a few occasions. So, yeah, and I love awesome. spring skiing. Yeah, that's, that's great. I might, I might take you up on that. Yes, definitely. Well, let's, let's jump into it. Chris, Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, seven kids. I know we heard that earlier. I'm still blown away by that. I've got one, and I think that, that might be enough some days. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you come from, how this all started working. Yeah, so in a nutshell, um, you know, a lot of people know the seven habits of highly effective people. They know Dr. Stephen Covey, and I was lucky enough to get involved with him 30 years ago and have been associated with his organization Oh, 18 years ago, I got really entrenched in this one problem. And, um, and it, it's the problem of how teams and organizations execute a strategy that requires a high degree of human engagement and human buy-in or a change in behavior. And that has turned out to be a, uh, an extraordinarily challenging topic. And, and like I said, one that we've worked on for 18 years. And so uh, you know, seven years ago, the book came out that was based on more than a decade's w worth of work. And the book's been received a, with a lot more uh, excitement than we ever thought with a name like Disciplines of Execution. We didn't think very many people were going to read that book. But to our, uh, you know, to, I guess to our amazement, uh, a lot of people have. And, um, and, and, and we think we think it's, it's really been driven by the topic. And so we think this is this issue of man. I should be able to control execution. You know, I get it. There's a lot of things that are out of my control in my business and my organization, but I should be able to control execution. And when that starts to get away from people, um, it, it gets pretty frustrating. And that, that's been at the heart of what we've been doing. Yeah. You know, I've seen uh, a couple of videos and follow up to, to hearing your presentation. And I think your, your thoughts on, 
you know, the difference between execution and strategy. I think it's easy to get lost in the idea that strategy is the most difficult thing and that, you know, that takes over uh, a lot of people's time. And in reality, you know, if you focus on the execution, I think you can be much more successful. And, and I think and that's a really yeah, interesting and, and I point. Think sometimes, you know, strategy is sexy and ideas are compelling. And sometimes we get we and I'm, a, I'm guilty of this myself. We, we start to fall in love with an idea and the, the more brilliant the idea and, and, you know, the more energy we have and, and we create these compelling. We sort of think that the more brilliant the idea, the better the execution will go. And I don't know why we think that when you say it, it doesn't even make any sense. But, we, you know, it's a really easy trap to fall into. And then the other side becomes that much more frustrated when you when you get into the execution. And like you said, if you're good at execution, you can iterate quickly. Um, there's a great oh, there's a great documentary out right now called uh, General Magic, and it's about a company that failed in Silicon Valley. But the but the people that failed went on to create the iPhone and the iPod and and the iPad and, and a whole bunch of other things. But they, this is one of the things they talked about why they failed in the first place. Um, is that, you know, they, they didn't have the ability to quickly iterate. Awesome. I definitely need to check that out. So kind of getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, how does 4GX differ from other management, other leadership concepts? I think, you know, as I've done a deep dive into both of these topics, I think you can find so many different options out there. Uh, and I think you can jump into it and say, well, I really agree with this. I really agree with that. And you can get lost. What's different about this than everything else out there? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, um, and by the way, let me just say as well, there's so much out there that we really like and that we really agree with. But I think if I had to put it in, in, in one real specific way, I'd say this, we are not, the, the four disciplines of execution approach is not trying to do everything. We're not, you know, un, unlike uh, Hoshin Conray, unlike um, uh, uh, Measure What Matters or the Rockefeller Habits or, um, um, you know, so many other execution approaches that try to give you a format for running your entire operation. We're not trying to do that. The four disciplines are more narrow than that. This is a very specific approach for achieving that bottleneck in your operation, that one thing that's driving you nuts. And normally, and almost without exception, it's wrapped around a change in human behavior. And it gets back to that definition of insanity, keep doing the same things, expecting a different result. So I think we're, we're a very, very focused solution compared to a lot of what you see and um, we, and it also really works from the bottom up and really focuses on human behavior. Awesome. That's, that's easy to digest for somebody that doesn't know anything about 40X right now. So, and so Chris, I also had the pleasure of listening to you um, at our conference in Florida. And one of the things that I felt was most compelling about your presentation is, you know, you read a lot of leadership books or strategy books and you think, okay, well, I have to take this back to my organization's committee. I have to take it back to my board. I have to take it back and we have to plan this out for six months and create a plan and get to everything, you know, with walking out of your presentation, I was able to look at it and say, you know what, I can go back and do this today. I don't need to write out this entire business plan and 
you know, do all of this preparation. So what do you think, um, having read probably most of your book at this point and listened to your presentation, um, can you talk about how easy it is to apply these concepts for someone who comes in and either reads the book or listens to your presentation or both? Yeah, I really, Holly, I really appreciate you saying that. And it's, that's something I, um, you, you put that in a really interesting way, and I, and I, and I like the way that you framed that. The, the truth is you can apply this methodology to a whole organization, and you can, you know, you can scale this thing up, but, but your point's a really good one, which is you can also just apply this tomorrow, and I think people can get the basic – you know, you can spend a career getting really great at this stuff, but you can spend a couple of hours and get the idea behind it, and – there's a, for instance, there's a few there's a few basic ideas I think that people can relate to very quickly, and that first one about the the conflict between all the things I have to do every single day, the whirlwind, the day job, and how that urgency fix associated with maintaining the operation today has a way to suffocate key priorities. And when, when people think about that and then they look at those, then they look at those four steps, they can, they can instantly sort of apply it to one key idea and see how those four steps would allow them to maintain the focus necessary to fight through all the distractions. And that is so universal. Like that applies, that can apply at the most elemental levels or, or you know, against the most sophisticated challenges and really across any kind of business. That, that universal problem of how can I maintain focus amidst all these competing distractions is really universal. And I think that's probably at the heart. I, I'd be curious to get your response to this, but I think that's, that's what people tend to cling on to first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that really stuck out to me as that being the first piece is how do you get past everything that we get bogged down by every single day? You know, there is never a shut off to the emails, the phone calls, the meetings, the people that you report to, the people that you are supervising, you know, all of that still needs to be maintained, but to sit down and think, okay, business operations wise, we need to take this and improve it, or we need to take this and add it. How do I still do that and doing something new, which means training people, allocating resources, you know, changing our day-to-day operations, but still keeping all of that other, th- other stuff afloat. You know, that's, that's what really makes the business run. Yeah. You're saying that really well, Holly, that, that, you know, if, and this is the way we, we break it up that, it, you know, you have to, in your brain, and this is a hard this is hard for some people to recognize that 80% of their energy is still going to have to go towards life support, towards you know, keeping my life function, keeping my operation functioning, keeping those emails. Like 80% is just going to be gone before you get to do anything new, cool, or strategic. Like that's a hard pill for people to swallow. But once you swallow that 80% is gone, you get very realistic on how you're going to spend the other 20 and that that other 20 is going to require a special treatment. And, 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 and that, that treatment's quite concentrated in, in healthcare. We work with healthcare organizations. They'll, they'll refer to it as taking an issue to intensive care. 
Like, right. You do different things in intensive care and, 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 and the intensive care treatment, the four disciplines treatment, I can't apply that treatment to everything in that 80%. It would just implode. Right. But I can take something out of the day job and give it a special treatment and land one plane at a time while maintaining everything, while maintaining life support. And I think that, that notion, instead of trying to eat, you know, a dozen things and then just keep switching the order of priority, which is the trap. I think people resonate with that and they can, even if they don't understand all the nuances of the disciplines, that one idea they can start to dig in on and get traction very quickly. I think that's really good. And I think you focused on probably another thing that stuck out to me most when I was, when I was reading the book is, and forgive me for maybe butchering the numbers, but you know, if you focus on one to six goals, you're probably going to be able to accomplish them. If you're more, if you're, you know, upwards of the dozen range, you're not going to accomplish half of them. And if you're more than 15 to 20 goals, you're not going to accomplish any of them. You know, you have to land, like you said, one plane at a time. And that's huge. And I think what you also said, because this system is behavioral focused, solution focused, and can work bottom up, you know, that that really speaks to it can be applied to these really multiple, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of people in an organization, or it can apply to, you know, a golf course or an instructional academy that may only have five people. Yeah, you really get into the heart of this, um, Holly, that whole notion that says the more the more goals I try to optimize, the worse my results get. And, and here's the interesting thing. We, we dialed into that idea probably oh, 16, 17 years ago and have shared that in over 4,000 organizations. Do you know no one's ever challenged us on that? It is it, it, the worst violators. It's hilarious. The people that botch it the most look at it and go, oh, that is so right. Like Because they live... They live with the consequences. They know. And it's why people are like, oh, my boss is going to hate that. I'm like, no, your boss is going to get that. Like, they're going to understand. Like, and sometimes you have to see it before you go, oh, no, I do that all the time. And I'll tell you what it comes down to. In the moment, and you've probably seen great operators in your life that can do this. But in the moment, the ability to, to, to say no sometimes to a really good idea is so counterintuitive because you think, you know, that's why I got the promotion. You know, that that's why I was, you know, because, I, I, you know, and we're just wired for that next great idea instead of holding course. And you keep saying yes to all the good ideas and you burn through that 20% capacity really quickly. And when you, we, we've been shocked at how, Few people, few people challenge those basic principles of execution. And that when they, once they stay, now applying them is hard, right? Like getting them is one thing, right? When we say these are not the, these are not the four good ideas of execution, they're disciplines. And so how you apply those is the hard part, but it's really interesting that nobody challenges them. I, I think that's so appropriate and so applicable to our members, you know, in the golf industry, especially here in Colorado, the seasonality of what we, you know, go through, you know, right now there's a foot of snow on the ground and, and 
you spend three months planning and, and trying to make sure that everything works and then you get lost and, and June comes and July comes. And next thing you know, the, the four responsibilities that, you know, you've been assigned to your point, they're the reason that these people, you know, may have progressed in their career and, and they, they get run over because it's too difficult to manage, you know, the 60, 70 hours a week, the nine, 10, 12 responsibilities, whatever it is. And everybody deals with that. It's, it's different for each person, but especially in the golf industry, you get to a point where you're run down. And that's why, you know, I think being able to come back to these tenants and these principles and to work them into your everyday life is, is so incredibly appropriate for the golf industry. Yeah. There's that pain of looking back at maybe the, maybe the, the frustration with execution is at its highest. When you look back over a week or over a month where you've been insanely busy, like you've worked the hardest you've ever worked and you look back and you, you really can't, you really don't feel like you've progressed on any of the things that, that were, at the beginning were the most important things. And yet, you know, you've been on defense the whole time. And, and that, um, that sense of futility sometimes that's associated with that knocks the wind out of people. And, and you know, there's a great quote. Um, I, I wish we'd said it, it said by a guy named Jim Rohn. Um, and, and he said, the pain of, uh, the pain of discipline is better than the pain of regret. And there is a little pain. It's not a ton of pain. There is a little bit of pain to these four disciplines, right? But, but, but wow, that has to be, I mean, uh, I'm not an expert in golf by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that in your industry, you introduce things that don't feel comfortable. Like, like if you take it right down to just improvement in golf, you're constantly nudging someone to do something that's not quite counterintuitive. And you're telling them, look, this is, I know this isn't going to feel natural right now. I know, right. You might even have to take a step back. I know. Right. But just trust me. And that, what that is, that, that, that tension right there, that's the pain of discipline. And, 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 and growth is, is always associated with a little bit of pain of discipline. But it really, to Roan's point, it really beats the pain of regret, and so when leaders understand that really there are some really mild, acceptable pains of discipline, there's, there's a pain in the, like for in, the, in the first discipline, there's a pain to saying no to some good ideas. It's a little bit painful, right? And the second discipline of, of identifying and tracking lead measures, a little bit painful, but boy, when you can see cause and effect, that's great. And you feel like you're putting energy against something that's really moving. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a pain to, you know, taking the time to really engage folks and creating that player scoreboard and being able to see, right. And, and the fourth discipline, of course, that, that, that weekly cadence, right. There's a pain to, you know what, Tuesdays at nine 30, no matter what, right. We are going to report and we are going to commit to the next, you know, five yards and what that's going to look like. And, and those are little bits, those are little bits of pain, but wow. When you, yeah, when you feel like, okay, you know, we didn't get 12 things done over the last three months, but you know what? We got the two done that really mattered, right? And we, man, we kept the place alive. That, that feels great. Yeah. I think that's, that's incredibly impactful. It reminds me uh, of, um, 
we've been fortunate to go through a training called model netics. And we just talked about this last week, the idea, the model of a change curve that with any significant change, you're going to take a big step back, but it's going to take that positive energy, that positive effort to move forward. And, you know, maybe it is the, the right thing at the right time. You're still going to take a step back. It's still going to be difficult. It's still going to be hard. That pain of discipline is still going to be there. But at the end of the day, a week down the road, a month down the road, you're going to be better for it. And don't you find that people will accept that curve if they have some expectation that it's coming? Like in medicine, they talk about the principle of inoculation that we're going to give you a little bit of the pain. We're going to give you a little bit of the virus to inoculate you so that the thing doesn't kill you. Right. So you can get ahead. So if people know, like we try and tell people, look, there's a reason that you're going to feel a little frustration with each one of these disciplines. And so they don't quit when they feel the frustration or when they, that, you know, right. That when they, when they have that, when they have that friction, they know, okay, they said this would happen. Like I'm, 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 I'm where I need to be. I get it. Like, but, but for some reason, the human brain has to know, okay, it's worth it. It's coming. Well, and being able to also explain why, why is the change coming? Why is this beneficial? Why are we using these four disciplines and being able to explain that and dive down into each one and say, you know, this is why X, Y, and Z. And after you get it, after you're entrenched in the routine and are able to, you know, make this commonplace in the workplace, now we're going to get it. Then you're going to see the skyrocketing improvement that should come with the change. But it takes a little time to train people, get them used to it and say, okay, this is my new norm. And now I got it. And I, I understand why. Yeah. Let me, if I can riff on that for just a second with you, you said a couple things that were really important. Um, one of them is that when, whenever you're introducing something like this to someone, there's two things going on, Right. There's the objective, there's the thing you want to see achieved, right? And then there's the, the four disciplines, there's the, there's the steps that you're taking towards achieving it. There's, you know, there's the end, and then there's the means, right? And we say always never lead, <laughs> never lead into this with the steps, never lead into this with four disciplines. It's not the thing, right? If we're, if we're trying to increase um, you know, training membership, if we're trying to improve retention, that's the, whatever the thing is, whatever the why is, that's the flag. And then just use the disciplines as, hey, this is a really common sense approach to creating focus. Like everybody gets focus, right? They know whenever they've achieved anything big, it required a stupid amount of focus, right? And so, so you basically say, look, the disciplines are just a mechanism for creating. Focus. And we tell leaders, we say, hey, you know, if, if you got somebody pushing back, just ask them, you got something better? <laughs> like most people go, no. <laughs> so you're like, okay, exactly. man, we're going to try this, right? And it sort of gets you over that allergic reaction. So, so fly it under the flag of, of the goal. It's, 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 it's about the goal. And then number two, right, right. Just, just, hey, this is just a common sense way because we know that whirlwind's going to eat 80%. And we got to be able to really use the 20 smart. Yeah, starting with your wildly important goal, as you put it in the book, which is, I love the the uh, acronym WIG. I hear that. I love it. Um, you know, starting with that, this is our goal, and then this is our four-step process to be able to execute that goal. Right. 
Right. And right. that's, I think it's so easy to take those four steps. I mean, you say it's, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. Don't dumb the steps down, but in reality, you know, get your head around. Yeah. The four steps, it's four things you have to remember. And if you start with that goal and you end with that goal and, you know, keep driving towards that one thing, especially if you're, you know, have the discipline enough to keep it at one goal. I think that's right. such a great plan. You can have, you know, this huge, massive rollout, or it can be something small that anyone or any team can put in place. Amen. That's, that's, that's perfectly said. Chris, kind of using that as a segue, can you touch on a couple of the organizations? I know I mentioned them a bit in the intro. Are there organizations out there that have embraced this, have utilized it, and you've seen exponential results? You've seen cultural shifts that, that this has made a tremendous impact. Yeah, we, we keep finding them. Um, and it's, it's interesting how it shows up. I, I'll, I'll, I don't want... I don't want to come off like we're talking about some silver bullet or magic pill. It's darn close. And I really want to be careful. I'll tell you when it is, though, right? In the hands of a good leader, this stuff is really potent. Outside of, of, of leadership sponsoring this, and that doesn't have to be C level leadership, like that doesn't have to be the top of the organization. But you, cause you can find, you can find like really significant leadership at all, all across an organization. But what I can't find or what I, I'm not aware of is where we've had great results without leadership commitment. Like it, the two go, the two go hand in hand. Like, you know, we did it. We did a study um, last year on five manufacturing, giant manufacturing facilities that applied this. And these are guys that are steeped in lean and six Sigma and you know they've got whole careers around studying root cause analysis and they took these principles and played them at, at a level we'd never seen before like they went beyond what we understood about these principles two of the organizations over uh, one over six years i think one over seven years had billion dollar cost savings associated with this methodology and we were the students we weren't the teachers like we had gotten them started in the process and certified their leaders but then they went a lot further than we did, but go back to this, go back to the one principle. In, in all cases, there was a core group of leaders who, you know, Holly, a lot like what you just said, they, they got that, hey, if we just adhere to these principles, we can bring these down one at a time. And they started to gain more and more credibility within the organization by doing that. And they got smarter with where they applied their energy, right? The better you execute over time, right? The better your strategies get. You, you really are walking. If you can't execute strategically, you're walking in the dark because you don't know how good or how bad your plans are if you're not executing them, right? Everybody kind of gets that at some level. And so, so what I would tell you is, so where have we seen it? Um, uh, anytime, like in hospitality, you mentioned the, the, uh, the, the uh, that was Gaylord Opryland Hotel uh, saw the saw the huge swings. Marriott ended up buying them. The, the Marriott organization right now, uh, all of the Marriott managed, not the franchise side, but the managed side, which is about half of the Marriotts in North and South America run this process with a vengeance. They've been running it for 12 years. They reload. It's always guest satisfaction. They've always kept it on the guest. But the battles change. The wigs change. How they go about it changes. 
They share information. They've got thousands of lead measures for every kind of department you could imagine. And they've institutionalized it as a way to get stuff done. And they win. They get better every year. They bought Sheraton, right? They bought the Opryland and the Gaylord. And you've got that, you've got that fantastic uh, Gaylord facility in Denver right now, which is big 40X users. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, so, so that's the, the, the cousin to that would be healthcare. So in, 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 um, in healthcare, the, the nurses have a, have a really great sense of what needs to happen to improve patient satisfaction, but they can't get the adoption because of the distractions. So, right. We've got a great track record, uh, in your backyard, you've got, uh, uh, good Samaritan health is a, uh, and that whole network, but they've led that whole network. Good Samaritans led that network in 40 X and they're really good at this methodology. Um, and so those are the types. So, uh, what have I said to manufacture oh, government? Hey, ta-da! <laughs> this is Colorado. <laughs> like I'm getting lucky right now. I can't do this with every state, but I'm doing it with Colorado. Um, Friday, I am with your governor. I'm not making that up. I, I got your governor and he's for a year now, uh, your governor and the cabinet have been applying this methodology and on his website, he's got the big four for Colorado. And he's got transparency. He's got, now he had these, now we didn't give him this, but members of his staff were into four disciplines. Uh, I got, I, I was one of the very first meetings he did with his cabinet. And we showed the four disciplines to his cabinet. And so the very various, uh, uh, you know, uh, state departments have been using four disciplines. And I, I, I'm going to be out there uh, uh, Friday and spend the day with a number of your cabinets. So we've been really, like, we don't know the answer they have the genius, like they, they figure out the lead measures. They, they, but, but we've been super happy that it's been a digestible way that people can use, not for the day job, but for attacking problems that require a lot of buy-in. And like I said, I can't, what I just did, I can't do that. <laughs> but I'm with your governor on Friday. I think that's, awesome. I think that's really encouraging to hear a politician on execution rather than all strategy. So he wanted that to be his first message like that was. And, and it's been really it's been really encouraging it to, to watch uh, a government body and a lot of new cabinet, uh, you know, a lot of new uh, secretaries, uh, and executive directors involved in that. Um, it's been we, you know, we've learned a ton just, just associated with it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think you, you touched on it briefly. The ability for people to digest this. I think is so incredibly impactful. I think so often you see something, you read something, it doesn't work for me. How does that apply to me? This applies across every industry as far as I'm concerned. I think your example of the healthcare industry, I mean, I immediately start thinking, I'm, I'm working at a hospital. I'm trying to keep these people alive, let alone how do I, how do I worry about, you know, Execution. I'm, I'm trying to keep people alive. And that is exactly you're you're absolutely nailing that. Like I got I got to be worried with with what the family members think of the the, the food in the room. Give me a break. Well, yeah, you do because they got other options, man. And they expect they expect to have their their appendix taken out properly, but how you treat them matters. And they got choices. And yeah, if we're going to grow, you know, and that's a hard thing to get energy on when there's real life and death stuff going on. You, you articulated that perfectly. Right? This, sometimes the day job feels so urgent. Doing anything on the wildly important goal feels stupid. 
but that's the mirage. We've got to keep, we've got to keep giving 20% to then, you know, to those critical goals or they don't happen. So in looking at all this, obviously, you know, Patrick and I are pretty big supporters of this. We've both really enjoyed the content. Um, what would you say to any naysayers that say, you know what, I'm good. I've got this figured out. I don't need the four disciplines or, you know, my operation is able to execute goals left and right. You know, how can this help someone who is even more of a skeptic implement this and really grow from this? Because I personally, I think it's an incredible subject and I'm excited to have you presenting in our spring meeting. I've talked you up to a handful of people already saying, you know what, you really need to make time for this ed- education opportunity. Um, but what do you say to those people that are like, eh, I don't, I don't think I need it. I've, I've got it all figured out. Yeah. So here's, so here's what I, I think. First of all, if somebody's got something that's working, <laughs> don't mess with it. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's so, you know, you know, and we don't have a monopoly on this stuff either. Right. Like one of the things we tell people is somewhere in your career, if you've ever worked with a great operator, like a turnaround person, like a lot of this is going to sound familiar. Like they did, they use different words, maybe. But the pat you'll recognize the patterns. So if somebody's got something locked in and working, we don't we don't try and mess with them. But here's here's where it tends to show up for people that even might be naysayers is they they got the day job clicking and then something changes in the environment and they got to pivot. And the processes that they baked in all of a sudden you know, there's friction. It's not getting them what they need. And, 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 and usually the way it shows up, it took us a while to recognize this pattern, but usually the way it shows up is around that change in behavior. And so what we say is, you know, you might have a, you might have your system just locked and loaded, but this one question, we'll ask this one question. The one question is, is there, is there some result that you really, really want and you can't buy it and you can't mandate it. Like you can't bake it into a process and expect the result to come out the same side. You can't write a check and buy a piece of machinery or a marketing program. Like I can't buy it and I can't mandate it. And I really, really want it. And if I could buy it, I would buy it, but I can't buy it. And like as, as, as wacky a question as that sounds, they've always got something. They always go, yeah. Like there's this one part of it, no matter how much we look at it, talk about it, it's killing us. And, and, and if we pry just a little bit, yeah, it's human behavior that's behind it every time. And what that, what that signals is we have to create a little pull. Like we're not going to push our way to this result. Like this one's only going to respond to a little bit of human commitment. We got to pull this one. That's a really nice place to put these disciplines because you get, you know what I mean? The whole thing is a pull. You get the lead measures from the front line. It's the front line people that they build their scoreboards. They, they make their commitments. Like that, that's what I, and, and if the naysayer says, I don't have any of those, we're good. Like, <laughs> but my people go, oh yeah, you got me. Like there's this one thing and I, I would write the check if I could buy this result, but I got to pull it. I can't push it. I think we all have this. Yep. Yep. And you're, 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 yeah, you're looking at your own operations right now going, yeah, yeah, I got a couple probably. We all do. So Chris, just to kind of go over, I mean, we really haven't touched on this 
so far this episode, but you know, discipline one, focus on the wildly important. Discipline two, act on the lead measures. Um, discipline three, keep a compelling scoreboard. And discipline four, create a cadence of accountability. Um, those are the four steps that you know your your material, the book is all about. Um, you're presenting on this at our spring meeting in uh, March. Tell us a little bit about maybe what our members could expect from your presentation, your delivery, and is there anything that you would highlight out of those four to get them started? Yeah, so so I think I think when you give somebody an initial experience with this, what I what I'd like people to do is to come with a problem. So rather than trying to apply it to five things, like come with a chat an execution challenge and work a problem. Like that, this stuff comes alive really fast when you do that. And, and, and it's the kind of problem we're talking about, right? It's not a strategic problem. It's not a, should I invest in this or that, or which market should I go into? Or, you know, it's not that it's a, it's a, how do we do the thing we know we really ought to be doing kind of problem. And, and, and when you've, when they've got that really if you, if you net all these disciplines out to one idea, and I think this should be the deliverable, this is what I'd like them to walk away with, is, is how, do you, how do you translate an execution challenge into something that can feel like a winnable game at the front line? Like a winnable game that really matters. Sometimes we say a high stakes winnable game where different, you know, it may be different teams have a different part of that objective, right? But can they, can they translate it down and can they put themselves in the shoes of the people that would be doing the work, that would be implementing it? And how, I mean, if people, and it's, by the way, this is very closely associated with human engagement. If people can see a winnable path you got them, right? But you've got to chunk this thing down small enough. And that's really what the disciplines do is they frame big problems in, in, in the form of a game that feels like a smaller winnable. It's challenging. It's hard, but it's doable. And until it clicks into doable, you don't have anything. They'll give you 20 reasons why the objective never even should have been set and it's impossible and everybody's got excuses. But if you can chunk that thing down, and this is what I'd like people to walk away with is take one problem and being able to chunk it down so that they can see, oh yeah, if you took this kind of an approach, I'll bet you we could get traction on this thing while doing everything else we got to do and while keeping the operational alive. And how do I use these four disciplines? You know, maybe there's, maybe there's five teams that are necessary to create a result, but I'm only going to think about one of them for today. And I know the piece I got to get from this team. I know what they got to deliver for us. What would that look? What would the wildly important goal look like? What would the leverage points, those lead measures be? And help give them a model for thinking through how to get to lead measures. And then how would they visualize it? What would the scoreboard be? And then how would, how would, what would that team do every single week so we kept force against leverage and we continued to move that, right? Can I chunk that big objective down to something that I could see that, you know, that one cylinder in the engine firing? Like if they can see that, they can extrapolate a lot from there. And we can do that, you know, 
we can do that in a short amount of time if they're thinking about one problem. Definitely. Uh, using the four executions to say, hey, we're going to climb four different one-mile hikes instead of looking at everybody and say, okay, today we're going to climb Everest. Yeah, right on. In a nutshell. So that, that's, and that, that is exactly, that's how human beings work. I mean, talk to people that have done hard things. Yeah. Right? Well, like I said, we don't, have a, we, we, don't, we don't have a monopoly on these principles. People have used these ideas before. Um, we just got some language and some, some do's and don'ts about kind of putting them to work. Definitely. Yeah. And they've, they're, I think, a really good set of four principles and, and disciplines that you can input, you can track them, you can, you know, break them down, implement them at different times, and you're going to end up wildly more, you know, successful and closer to that goal that you set out. And really, really good stuff awesome. in the hands of a good leader. <laughs> That's why I'll always go back on that. This stuff, absent, absent leadership, I got, I got nothing for you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough uh, for today, for joining us here uh, in about a month. I think our Colorado PGA professionals are going to walk away from this day uh, incredibly motivated, uh, incredibly well-informed, and I think their toolbox is going to be uh, a lot more full than when they walk in that day. Uh, you know, I want some weeks, great, I think hey, a year from now, I want some great golf examples. I yes. guess everybody, right, the number of executives that golf and relate, and they use golf metaphors, like you know this, right? Like oh, yeah, there's yeah. a dozen golf metaphors out there at all times and you know all of the all the principles of life show up in that game and more so right they do they Absolutely. do yeah, I, would I, would love, love it. I would love we're working on a second edition of the book right now i'd love a couple of good golf metaphors <laughs> we can certainly help we can certainly help awesome well with that uh we'll go ahead and conclude this again we can't thank you enough. I'm ready for uh, for March 30th to be here tomorrow. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do between now and then, but really looking forward to it. Thank you for your time. Look forward to hearing uh, your presentation, your workshop, everything that we've got coming at our right. upcoming spring meeting. Great job on the questions, guys. Really, it was really nice to talk to people that have dug into this. Um, thanks for your for your preparation and your interest in the topic. Thank you. We love it. Thanks, Chris. I might hit you up for uh, my master's capstone here in about a month. <laughs> Anytime. Whatever there you want to talk. Love to do it. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks, Have guys. Take care. Thanks. Up.